Welcome to an inspirational teaching by our guest speaker, Ivan Raskino. We hope you enjoy this teaching. I've been preaching for some time on some true principles of Christian life. And today is true love. We want to study about what is true love. And for this, I'm looking at John chapter 13, verse 1. John chapter 13, verse 1. So, it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Now, this got my attention. The full extent of his love. Now, Jesus, being the Son of God, is God himself. And he's showing the full extent of God's love. That must be true love. So, we will study this particular verse well, because we want to know that. The full extent of God's love. Wow. But listen. He says, having loved his own who were in the world. Now his own. Do you belong to Jesus? Well, you are his own. You are his own. Right? So he's showing you and me the full extent of his love. So, wow, that is, we want to, to receive that revelation. And for that, let us pray and ask God, God, I want to know that full extent of your love. I want that love to touch my heart. All the fears and all the fears and all the these in my heart, I want it to be washed away. And I want it to be filled with the full extent of your love. Let us, let us bow down our heads and ask God. Because this is God's work. Father God, we come before you in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, that we will have a glimpse of your heart. Lord, we will, we will understand and we will grow in understanding even daily, Lord, as we meditate on your holy word, as we look at you, Lord, that we will grow in being filled with your love. The full extent of your love. Lord, the width, the breadth, the height, the depth of your love. Oh God, Lord, for this purpose you sent your son for us. Lord, that we might know your heart, Lord, that we might be called your very own, that we might be transformed, Lord. And so I ask you, Lord, for that revelation this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah. Yeah. No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only. John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. We don't know God. The world does not know God. 
But Jesus, the Son of God, was at the Father's side. And he is the one and only who made known to us the Father's heart. So, we want to, we want to know this heart that comes from the Lord Jesus. John 15, verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. So we want to know the full extent of God's love for us. And Jesus makes that love known to us. That's true love. That's true love. That's, that's the standard of love. Anything short of that is not true love. Right. John 17 verses 4 and 6 Jesus is telling his father that is praying to his father I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do but this was before he went on the cross before he went on the cross and he says I have completed the work so what's the work? The work is this. I have revealed you to those whom you have given me out of the world. That's the work that he has completed. You see, if Jesus went on the cross and did not reveal the Father's heart to the disciples, he went on the cross, died for our sins, went into heaven, rose again, went into heaven. But nobody else would know the Father's heart and nobody would be able to tell others about the Father's heart. He had to reveal the Father's heart to his disciples before he left the earth. Otherwise, the, that train would stop. That train of revelation would stop. So we must know the Father's heart because we want the train of Christianity to move and move and move and move and not stop. We must learn the Father's heart. And so, it's important that we know the Father's heart. And transmit that heart and give that heart to the next gen and the next gen. Because then, the train of Christianity will not stop. It will go on from one generation to the other generation. Now, there are four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. Not S-I-N, but S-Y-N. All right? Synoptic gospels. Syn means together. Optic is optical nerve. See. All right? So, synoptic means they see things together or they run together. So, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are narrative and they run together. You can see such a lot of correspondence in the three Gospels. But John is a separate Gospel by itself. He is not running together with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's separate. If you look at John, totally separate. John is a Gospel that was written much later than Mark. So, Mark's gospel was already in the churches, was already with the Christian people. 
So they knew Mark's gospel and probably Matthew and Luke as well. So John wanted to write something different. In fact, he says very clearly, I have written this so that you may believe in the Son of God and that in believing you may have life. That was the purpose. He was wanting to bring the very heart of Jesus. And so he starts with a book of signs. You see, and the book of the great I am's. He says, I am the bread of life. Then he fed the 5,000, the book of signs. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 11. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. All these things he's talking about. He first says, I. He talks about Jesus as I am. I am this. I am I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. And he adds with the signs that accompanied this declaration of who Jesus is. Now John is talking about the Last Supper in John chapter 13. How do I know he's talking about the Last Supper? We'll see. So let us look at the Synoptic Gospels and let us examine the Last Supper, the, the, the most important points of the Last Supper. So let us look at that. So there are four points in the Synoptic Gospels. No, no, not this one. Sorry, not this one. Before that. There are four points in the Synoptic Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The bread and wine. That's the Last Supper. We all know that. It's the bread and wine. That is given in Matthew 26. It's given in Mark 14. And it is given in Luke 22. Then, the betrayal, not of Judas, by Judas. I, I made a mistake. It's not a betrayal of Judas. Nobody betrayed Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus. The betrayal by Judas. That is given in Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22. Third one. The dispute who was the greatest. Right in the Last Supper. Right in the Last Jesus is going to die. He comes out from the Last Supper and he goes straight into the Gethsemane and betrayed by Judas and to the cross. Right. This is right in the Last Supper. They were arguing who was going to be the greatest. Because this guy is going. The senior pastor is going. All the junior pastors are figuring out who's going to take over. And that's happening right now, even in the world, throughout the world. Throughout the world, there is jockeying for position. Not only in the world, of course, in the church. In the church. That is what is taking place. Everywhere. They don't know the heart of God. The world does not know the heart of God. But the church even does not know the heart of God. It's important that we know the heart of God. Otherwise, we will be just like the world. Same. Same spirit. And mind you, this is right from there. You know, in the Last Supper, Satan entered. Fool Judas. Right in that Last Supper, 
in that holy place. Don't ever think he can't come here. Don't ever think that Adonai is so holy that Satan can't enter. Don't ever think that. Because he entered there and he fooled Judas. And he also did something else. Jesus, the fourth thing about, about the Last Supper was Jesus predicted Peter's denial. Right in the Last Supper, Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me thrice. Don't ever think Adonai is too holy for that. Don't ever think any church is too holy for that. And don't ever think you are holy for that. Watch. Watch this. Because we can get fooled. I must confess, I got fooled. I got fooled. And so, we want to study true love. We want to study this topic well. That we don't get fooled. Alright? So, in the Last Supper, can you imagine? The betrayal by Judas. They are fighting who is going to be the greatest. And one guy, the main guy, is denying, going to deny Jesus. Can you imagine that? But that is taking place in the church. And so we need to understand the heart of God. That it doesn't take place within us. Please. And you will be challenged. I give you a guarantee. You will be challenged by this. You're going to be challenged. Because we don't love the way the world loves. We, we need a different standard of love. And so, John brings out that standard. Four points of John. He doesn't bring the bread and wine. He doesn't bring the bread and wine. He doesn't even bring about the dispute who was, who was the greatest. But he brings four, four things. First is the foot washing. He brings that. How do, I, how do I know that foot washing took place in the Last Supper? How do I know that? Because the next point is the betrayal by Judas. Praise God, he put the B-Y there. Right? Betrayal by Judas. Third point is the command to love. And the fourth, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. All these are in John chapter 13. So I know that if the betrayal by Judas and Peter's predict, uh, Jesus' prediction that Peter was going to deny him took place in that place, then I know that John 13 is the Last Supper. And so we are, going to we are not going to study the betrayal by Judas. That's not the point. We are not going to even study the the prediction of Jesus that Peter is going to deny. You see, Peter's denial, actually, don't, you don't really know whether it is inside the room or outside the room. I think it is just outside the room, but it is connected with the Last Supper story. All right? But we are going to study two things. We are going to study foot washing and the command to love. Actually, it's the new command to love. I give you a new commandment to love. And so we're going to study these two things because we are on the topic of true love. 
And Jesus is going to reveal that true love, the love of God to us. So, I'm telling you, you will be challenged. Not in this sermon, but throughout your life. Because you are going to face the same problems those disciples face. Who is going to be the greatest? Who is going to do this? We are going to do the same thing. I was challenged in my life. Every now and again, I have to look and say, Oh God, that's not of you. That's not of you. That's of the world. So we study this. First, let us study foot washing. Now, Jesus' teaching can be divided into two parts. Foot washing. Foot washing, all right? Jesus' teaching can be divided into two parts. The first part, as an act of spiritual cleansing. John 13, verses 2 to 11. That adds depth to the bread and wine of the Synoptic Gospels. Right? That adds depth. I tell you, John is teaching something different, but he's teaching the very heart of God. He's not so narrative. He's teaching the heart. <coughs> so, the act, foot washing is an act of spiritual cleansing. And foot washing is an act of humble service that adds depth to the issue of who was the greatest. Because there was a dispute, no? In the synoptics, who was the greatest? Right? And so, there are two aspects of the foot washing. And we're going to study these two aspects. And we're going to see that God is going to touch us. Foot washing by Jesus as an act of spiritual cleansing that adds depth to the bread and wine. Alright? So I'm going to read out John chapter 2, John chapter 13, verses 2 to 10. I'm going to read it out to you. Alright, it's too long to put it on this. So just listen carefully. The evening meal was being served. And the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew his identity. He knew his identity. So he got up from the meal took out his outer clothing and wrapped a towel round his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered, unless I wash you. You have no part with me. 
Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who, had, who has had a bath only needs to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. He's referring to Judas. Now, consider, consider John 13, verse 8. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me, no fellowship, no part with me. You and I are separate. Now this word part is very important. The first aspect of this word part is partnership, is fellowship. Look, no, no part with me. But, you know, the Greek word used for this word part is meros. And though the New Testament was written in Greek, the Old Testament was in Hebrew. But during, just after, during the time, you see, the Jews had forgotten, the Jews that were scattered outside Israel in the Roman Empire, especially in Alexandria, they had forgotten their mother tongue. That's not surprising. Many of us have forgotten our mother tongue, and we now only speak English. You know, so they also forgotten their mother tongue and they only spoke Greek. That was the language in the Roman Empire. So the Jews had to translate the Old Testament into Greek as well. And it was done by 70 scholars known as, and this word 70, so the Greek Old Testament in, sorry, the Jews Old Testament in Greek is known as the Septuagint, 70, 70 scholars wrote it. Now in that Greek Old Testament, this word meros is used as an inheritance. To the 12 tribes of Israel, God gave them land through Moses. Each had a part, had an allotment. They were allotted this land. Little Judah, you take this. Benjamin, you take this except for Levi, but the rest, all the tribes got. Ephraim, you got. Manasseh, you got this place. You got this place. You got this place. The same word, meros, is used. So what Jesus is saying, listen, not only you, we don't have fellowship, but you have no inheritance. You are not a joint heir with me. You understand? No inheritance if I don't wash you. So Peter, being a Jew himself, said, all right, if that's the case, don't only wash my feet, wash my head, I'll get something more. Jesus says, you know, you don't need that. You don't need it. You don't need that. Once I have washed your feet, it's over. You're clean, finished. So the washing of the feet is a spiritual cleansing. It is equivalent, or it's the deeper meaning of the bread and wine. Therefore, we wash your sins away. Jesus washes the feet 
By doing that, he's cleansing the whole body. He's cleansing the whole spirit. But remember how he comes. He comes as a servant. He comes as a servant. He comes as a servant today. Between you and I. He doesn't come with the law. He doesn't come as a master. He doesn't come and tell you, you have done that, you have done that, you have done that. He doesn't come. He comes as a servant. He comes to serve you and he comes to serve me. And he wants to wash you and he wants to wash me. He wants to cleanse us. And then suddenly we are faced with him. And we are ashamed. Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinner. We are ashamed of the dark areas in our lives. And heaven knows that all of us have got dark areas. Secret areas, secret chambers that we are ashamed of. And we lock it. Even from childhood we have got secret areas. And we lock it, we don't want to show it. But Jesus says, I have come to wash you clean. Let him come and wash your heart. Don't have defenses. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone hears my voice, I will come in and have fellowship with him and I'll sup with him. And you're going to be part with me. Part with me. We're going to be fellowshipping together. And so today, I just want to spend half a minute... I want you to close your eyes, but open your heart to Jesus and let him come and wash you. Let him come every dark area in your life. Just close your eyes, but open your heart. Don't resist him. And whatever shameful part of your life, even from childhood, whatever guilt that is there, let him come. Because he comes as a servant. So I love you. And I've come to wash you. So we, half a minute, starting from now. Come, Spirit of God. Yeah. You know, we have all failed. We have failed as parents. We have failed as children. We have failed everywhere. We have failures, so many of us. Jesus says, I don't come with the law. I come as a servant to wash you. And open your heart to him. Let him wash you clean. Let him wash you clean. Some of us are over here uh, for the nine-day retreat. And you know, God wants to wash you clean. Jesus wants to wash you. So as you go for the nine-day retreat, open your heart. Let him wash you. Open your heart to him. Open your heart every day to him. Let him come and wash you. Let him come and clean you. He comes as a servant. As a servant. He doesn't come as a Lord and Master. What have you done? This is the way to behave. He comes as a servant. So I, I have come to serve you. Yeah. In John chapter 13, verse 10, Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath only needs to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, not every one of you. He's talking about cleansing. He's not talking about foot washing. He's talking about cleansing. Some of you are not clean. And so the simple way of translating this particular verse is, if you have been cleansed by Jesus' foot washing, 
you need not to pursue more washing. You don't need to pursue. He's cleansed you. He's cleansed you. That's it. Now, the New Testament gives us some master traits of Jesus, especially in the book of John. Especially in the book of John. One of the master traits, traits means characteristics. One of the master characteristics of Jesus is love. And the other one is servanthood. And the other one is humility. These are the master traits. And these should be ours. I'm going to talk about humility next time. What is true humility? But this time I'm going to talk about what is true love. True love. And servanthood. And Jesus, he lived a servant's life. And he died a servant's death. So have a look. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came as a servant. He lived a servant's life. And he died a servant's death. And if we don't understand that, we'll be like the disciples who is the greatest. We will be just like that. Senior pastor goes away, junior pastors will start fighting. That will happen. We must understand. Must understand his heart. Philippians 2, 7, 8. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. He died a servant's death. Luke 22, verses 26 to 27, Last Supper. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. That's the heart. That's the heart of God. You know, whenever you find your temperature rising inside your heart, and it happens often, go down on your knees and spend time with God and say, God, I don't have your heart. I don't have your heart. One day I'll tell you the truth. My temperature not only was rising, it was boiling. I had to spend four hours on my knees before that came down. Because I knew that was not, was not of God. Wasn't of God. Four hours on my knees. I spent time. God, that's not your heart. Right? Yeah. You know, just think about it. The Lord of the heavens and the earth. How great and mighty he is. He made all the billions of stars. 
And he comes as a servant. And that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. We can't imagine it. But that's the very heart of God. The world doesn't know it. Next time when we study what is true humility, I'll tell you more about it. But that's the heart of God. We don't understand that heart of God. He wears the victor's crown, but he conquers by love and humility. He brings every stronghold down by love and humility. By love and humility. By servanthood. Again, I'm asking you to pause. Again, I'm asking you, allow this wonderful servant to wash you of all guilt, of all shame. You know, we need him. If you want to have his heart, we need him. So let us pause even for 15 seconds this time. But let him come. Say, God, we need you. We need your heart. We don't have that. At least I don't. But we need him. 15 seconds. All right. Now we come to the second part of foot washing. The first part of foot washing is spiritual cleansing that adds depth to the bread and wine. The second part of foot washing denotes, it talks about humble service that adds depth to who is the greatest. All right? To who is the greatest. And so, in John chapter 13, verses 12 to 17, once again, I'm only going to read. It doesn't have to be on the plane. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should you, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you as I have set you an example. Now this is not a command. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth: no servant is greater than his master, not nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is an example, not a command. He says, look, that's my heart. That should be your heart as well. That should be your heart. The first part of foot washing is about spiritual cleansing. The second part, which I've just read, is not about spiritual cleansing. It is about humble service, which is the heart of Jesus. Right? The first part of foot washing is sacrificial love. He died on the cross. Sacrifice. The second part of foot washing is the attitude of self-giving love. It's an example of self-giving love. We can't imitate the first part because it is done by Jesus for the sins of many. He died on the cross. We can't we can't, we can't, we can't duplicate it. 
But the second part, you can. As an example. Now, when I say example means you must have that attitude of humble service. We're going to study the second part of humble service, that example. Now, in Jesus' time, there was foot washing as a culture. And I tell you why it was a culture. Because the roads were dusty and they wore sandals or chapels, if you will. Right? They wore chapels. Everyone wore chapels. They didn't have these lovely shoes and socks. So their feet got dirty. You understand? And they didn't have taxis, so they had to walk. So obviously their feet got dirty. And when they came, when they were invited to somebody's home, immediately the servant would wash the feet of the guest. That's what took place. And which servants? Not the Jewish servants, the Gentile servants. Would. The lowest of the servants would wash the feet of those people who came inside for dinner, the dinner guests. And there was another tradition that pupils would wash the feet of their own teacher to honor their teacher. Or children would wash the feet of the parents to honor the parents. So this was the culture. It was always the low who washed the feet of those who were higher. Understand? That was the culture. So if that was not observed, it was like an insult. And so when Jesus went to Simon the Pharisee's home and his feet were not washed, Jesus remarked, he said, Simon, you have not washed my feet, but this lady has washed my feet with her tears and her hair. So he showed Simon his heart. There was pride there. So, Jesus, that was the culture over there. So, this culture of foot washing need not be duplicated in our time. That may not be our culture. It's an example. The attitude of the heart. Not the actual foot washing. We can make everything a ritual. You know? Now, I'm not criticizing the mainline churches, but, you know, I was in the mainline church, and the priest, the, the senior most priest, the parish priest of the Monsignor, or, you know, or the, you know, all those guys, they washed the feet of the other priests on a certain particular day. That day was Maundy Thursday, one day before Good Friday. Maundy Thursday. I was interested. What is this word Maundy Thursday? You know, you know I was surprised. Maundy Thursday. You've heard of that term, I'm sure. Some of you, anyway. Those who have come to the mainland churches. Maundy Thursday actually is a Latin, beginning of a Latin phrase. I'm going to read out only for interest. Nothing for it. Mandatum novum dovobis ut diligatis. In vacuum, sit cook directly boss. So this started with mandatum, and from there it has become Monday. All right, just for your information, this comes free of charge. <laughs> now, but what does this Latin phrase mean? 
very scriptural. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That is from John 13, verse 34. That is the whole thing. Absolutely scriptural. You know, very scriptural. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's a new commandment, okay? Not the foot washing, the attitude. All right? The attitude. Now, even Pentecostal churches sometimes practice this foot washing. But remember, you can, don't bring it in Adonai. If you want to, you all can do it, but the attitude is important. All right? Don't make this a ritual. All right? It's an attitude. It's the heart that I come as a servant. That I come as a servant to serve you. Not to lord it over you. All right? Now, my friend, uh, Pastor Nitin Sardar, in fact, he and his family have come for the nine days retreat, so they are here. I have seen one son up there, but I don't know about the others. Now, he had a revelation of foot washing. He had gone to the prisons, and there he found, to his great surprise, that 90% of the crimes that were committed were, came from a very small section of society. And that section were the sweepers and the cleaners of the city. Now, you know, we have a caste system, a rigid caste system. And in, in Bombay, we call those cleaners mehtar. I don't know what you call it in Canada, but it's a caste system. And uh, these are for centuries had to follow that system. So for centuries, the forefathers and forefathers and forefathers and four were all cleaners and cleaners of the toilets, carried the dung, including human dung and all that, they had to do it. And you know, they had no hope. So they became violent and they landed in prison. And, and my friend, Pastor Nitin, saw that and he was touched to the core. And on one Christmas day, he says, you know, we have our families together, we have biryani and this and that. He says, but I want to show the love of Christ. I want to show the heart of God to those methods. I want to show them. And so what he did was, he didn't have any biryani. He said, okay, I'm going to go to that village where these methods live. And a small team, he and his small team, they went to that village with water and towel and soap and went over there and washed the feet of those villagers. They were shocked. Nobody has ever done that. They were shocked. And they asked him, why? He says, because that's the heart of my God. And he washed them. That's all he did. And he went back. Next Sunday, this is the truth. Next Sunday, 50 of those villagers came to his church and said, we want to follow your God. Because if your God has got such a heart, we want to follow that God. And he, you know, he has led so many people to Christ. And I'm talking about so many. I'm not talking about 500 or 1,000, tens of thousands in central India. But he always tries to show them the heart of God. And, and that practice he has done every Christmas season, every Christmas from that time onwards. He washed the feet of those cleaners at hospitals. I have been with him. 
and I also have washed the feet. And I'm telling you, those feet are full of corns because they don't wear chappals, they go walk barefooted. So the full feet is black with corns, thick corns. And I wash them. You know? Well, that's what Nitin does. He does that. He wants to show them the heart of God. That's the heart of God. But there's something else about Nitin. Because I worked very closely with him for many years. He has also washed the feet of Hindu leaders and Muslim leaders and Buddhist leaders. One thing I have noticed that they can't wash somebody else's feet. They can't. You know why they can't? Because they were not touched by the love of God inside their own heart. Unless they are washed first inside their heart by Jesus, they don't have that new heart. You understand? Yeah. Unless you're first washed. And if you haven't given your heart to Christ today, let him wash you. And I can tell you, the yoke of pride will be broken in your life. You'll be able to serve someone else willingly. That's true love. He loved us first. And he loved us first that way. That is the heart of God. And I want you to understand that. And I want you to take that every day of your life and you spend time with God, know his heart. Because his heart will break your heart and you will come out with his heart into this world. And so we come to, uh, to the next part of John chapter 13 and that is the new command to love. The new command to love. And I'm going to read from John chapter 13 verse 30 to 35. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. You know, in the book of John, Gospel of John, there is always a play between darkness and light. Darkness is where the evil one is, or the people of the world are, and Jesus is the light of the world. Nicodemus came from the dark at night and met Jesus. Unfortunately, he went back into the night. Who knows, he might have been touched later. But at that time, he went back into the night. Judas was in the light. And he went into the darkness. And as soon as he went out, he went into the darkness and he went to betray Jesus. And when he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. We're going to study that. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. This is his farewell speech. Farewell speech. I will be only a little longer. Soon he's going to be betrayed. Soon he's going to go on the cross. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
Now, whom is he speaking to? He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to you and me. Of course, he loves the world and he gave his life for the world. But he's telling a commandment to his people, to his disciples, to you and to me. Love one another. By this, all men will come to know that you are my disciples if you love one another as I have loved you. Means you love one another, means love one another in the church. All right? In the church. What is the standard? As I have loved you. Bah. I thought it was an old commandment. Because in Leviticus 19, verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge. Leviticus 19, verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. Leviticus 19, verse 18. Huh? Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the old command. The new command is different. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what's the difference between the old command and the new command? Only the standard. Love one another as yourself. Love one another as I have loved you. Oh, different. Not your standard of love. Whose standard of love? His standard. As I have loved you. As I have loved you. I washed you. I've cleansed you. I've forgiven you. I serve you. Love one another that way. And to whom is he speaking to? His disciples. Where have they got to love? First inside the church. Inside the church. Like this. Between you and I. Oh, you see, that commandment we don't like. It's an old proverb. I'm telling you an old proverb. You might have heard this old proverb. Have a look at this old proverb. Ah, there it is. To live above with the saints we love, that will be glory. To live below with the saints we know, that's a different story. Totally different story. Yeah. We love. Look at the strife in the church. In every church. We have thrown the command of Jesus out of the window. Can't. You know why we can't do it? We can't do it because we don't face the cross every day. I can't do it. Only when I see his love, when I look at the cross, my heart is broken. My heart is broken. You know, once I had a problem with another pastor and my temperature started rising inside my heart. I don't know whether your heart has the same heart as mine, but temperature rises. I can tell you, forget about rising, it beat the boiling point. It took me four hours on my knees before the temperature went down. Because I wanted the heart of God. And it was not inside me. I wanted the heart of God. I knew that is the heart of man. I knew it. 
you know, and I was right. The thing was that I was right. I had truth on my side. And I'm telling you, in the church we fight for truth and throw love out of the window. And we are especially evangelicals. We are so fond of the truth. Oh, we hold the truth. So much. We hold the truth. And I'm not saying that's bad, except the attitude of our heart. That's bad. Where we can't serve one another, and we can't love one another. And we can't speak the truth in love. You understand? Then, that's not a heart of God. Because mercy and truth are met in Jesus. Right? We must have his heart. My brothers and sisters, a new command Jesus gives you. The Lord of the heavens gives you. Love one another as I have loved you. Now, glorifying God. John 13, verse 31 to 32. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. Now, what does this term mean? What's he talking about? Now, we talk different aspects of God's glory. The Shekinah glory of God, you know, ah, full of light, full of splendor. You know, Isaiah saw him in Isaiah 6. Oh, he saw the holiness of God, the glory of God. He beheld the glory of God. That's good. Jesus is talking another aspect of God's glory. God's glory is when you honor God. When you honor him. And you, you know, in John chapter 14, verse 31. But the world must learn that I love the Father. I touch my heart. The world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. The world must learn that, that I love the Father. And it touched my heart. Oh God, the world must learn that I love you and I do exactly what you want me to do. And that's a command, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. And here God is glorified. When the church inside love one another the way Jesus loves us. When we love each other the way Jesus loves us, God is glorified in our midst. The presence of God comes down. God dwells amongst us. He is pleased when we love one another with true love, the standard is as he loved us. You understand that? God is glorified. That is about on our heads. Right? Melanie, would you please come up? We're going to sing. We're going to honor Jesus. Let Jesus touch your heart. And you and I know how our temperature rises. You and I know the struggles we have. But we look at Jesus. Say, Jesus, wash my heart. Wash my heart. Come, come, come inside. I want you. Come inside. I want, I want that love. I want that love. I, I want to love the Father and obey Him. 
Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.